Across the country, theater owners and studio executives are trying to crack the question of what draws moviegoers back to the multiplex. One answer that it's emerged? Stuff they don't associate with the multiplex. Here's Eric Schwartzel, film industry reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Eric, explain. You know, it's funny. If you if you look at what might be showing at your local theater, I mean, new movies are certainly there, but certainly our old movies, uh, operas from the Metropolitan Opera are screening these days. Um, films that are really just kind of like targeting a niche audience, especially when it comes to religious films. Basically, what we're looking at is a landscape where theaters are desperate for what they call product, right? Things to put on screen. And the studios aren't delivering as many movies as they once did. And so they're filling the gap with all kinds of different programming. In some cases, even TV shows, the small screen is being put on the big screen in order to fill out these auditoriums. Yeah, why do we like this? We've already seen it, I feel like. Well, I think, you know, I think part of it is, uh, is it, in some cases, this is the only place where you can see some of these things. So, so for instance, there's a, there's a pretty popular series out of the Metropolitan Opera where they film the operas and you can go and see a really sophisticated, produced version of the show. Obviously, that's something you cannot see unless you're traveling to New York and seeing it in person. So in some cases, there's a novelty there. I think in others, you know, in the course of reporting this story, I went to see... Uh, a 25th anniversary print of Saving Private Ryan. Now, I saw that movie when it came out in theaters 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it since. I certainly could have watched it at home on Netflix, but I think I probably would have been looking at my phone, having to take the dog out, you know, thinking about whether or not I wanted to get a cup of coffee. And there's something <laughs> about the immersion and, and the sort of no distractions of big screen that I think some people are realizing they, they miss in a, in a world where they're constantly second screening at home. Hmm. We're speaking with Eric Schwartzel, Hollywood reporter at the Wall Street Journal. His story is called Dirty Dancing, Religious Dramas and Opera Singers Are Saving the Movies. How about uh, the Eras Tour from Taylor Swift in theaters? Has that opened people's eyes to kind of alternative programming at, at multiplexes? Exactly, and you use, you use the phrase that comes up a lot, alternative programming, right? What, what else can they put into theaters that will sell tickets, importantly, sell popcorn and soda at the concession stand, and just sort of keep people in the habit of going to the theaters? And, and the Taylor Swift Eras Tour concert, that has just been sort of magnitudes above, you know, the Saving Private Ryan anniversary edition, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's nearing $200 million at the domestic box office. Um, really setting records for for that kind of programming. And I think we're going to see more of that. It's it's going to be hard to imagine anything matching that level of enthusiasm, but the Beyonce tour movie is opening in a couple weeks here, if not next week. And I think, you know, talking to exhibitors, I think they're keen to get more concerts into circulation as well. Wow. This company you mentioned in your piece, Fathom events uh, that provide sort of this uh, alternative type programming for theaters. What do they do? What do they offer? Well, Fathom is the leading provider of this kind of alternative programming. They're the ones who are booking dozens of titles a year. Um, A lot of times it's the, you know, those classic titles like the Saving Private Ryan's of the world. Um, A lot of times it's the opera. They also have had a real, a real success in the faith-based world where, they are putting into theaters these religious movies that really kind of micro-target 
church communities. And, and I think it's important to note that these folks aren't setting box office records, but for what they're doing, they're making solid profits. And, and I think also what they're, they're, the reason that their moment has sort of come is because they're filling a gap that studios are leaving open for theaters. Wow. What was the, uh, what's the Winnie the Pooh like horror movie or something that's out there? Oh, yeah, no, no, some, some folks have asked about that. So, so earlier this year, there was a film uh, you may have missed, I think most people did, called <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. And it's an independent horror film that is taking advantage of the fact that Winnie the Pooh is a character that has slipped into the public domain. And so for several years, I mean, for, for, most, for most of the character's history, Disney was not going to allow a kind of homicidal version of one of their characters to hit screen. <laughs> yeah. But since it's gone into the public domain, some enterprising filmmakers have taken advantage of that and turned, uh, I haven't seen the film, but it's my understanding it's turned the bear into a homicidal maniac. Thanks, Eric. Eric Schwartzel, film industry reporter at The Wall Street Journal.